pneumonia. Use my fangs to murder you. Soy la diosa, los demonios no me controlan. Soy culebra. What's up, everyone? 7 October's here with another episode of Nightmare on Sedgwick Avenue. This is uh, season five. I believe this is episode 14 already. Um, so we've this is a longer season than I normally do. I think I do like 10 episodes, uh, but I've had a lot of uh, traction with getting guests on and I kind of want to just keep going. Um, I might end it at episode 15, but we'll see. Um, but today we have a really dope guest. Um, I've had the honor of meeting him and, and working along with him at the um, Thought Fest, um, which is a hip-hop underground festival or independent festival is what I like to call it uh, for hip-hop. Um, shout out to 60 East who puts that on every year in October. Um, so I met him through there and actually I think the first time and um, I can just um, confer with that with him, but I actually met him the first time was, um, shout out to Platform Collection, Kelsey Ray and Eddie. Um, he had like a book, um, thing like a speed uh, event or something like that and that's the first time I actually helped platform collection I wasn't part of the collective yet and I volunteered and he was doing some sort of event for his book and for producers and it was really dope um, and I'm talking about Curtis King um, he's independent artist producer author creator a little bit of everything father uh, husband all that so let me bring him on the screen here hey, hey Curtis how you doing? good how, how are you, you doing I'm good, good, good. I'm good Nice to, nice to have you on, and I know I, I, I actually have never had you on, so it's cool to like have you finally on and kind of get to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, I mean the irony of you bringing up the uh, the event, which probably now, <laughs> I mean that was before the pandemic, so yeah. Um, you told me then you were like, you know, at some point I want I, I would you know be dope to interview you. Um, yeah. So it's 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 dope to see everything come full circle. Just took yeah. it just took a couple years, and it's all good. Everything <laughs> happens when it's supposed to happen. But uh, thank exactly. you for having me on. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Um, and kind of like I mentioned, you do a little bit of everything. Uh, we were talking about a little bit before we got on uh, on the recording. But um, how do you, you know, manage all that stuff? Like, because you're like a jack of all trades. I can relate to you in that aspect. But mm -hmm. how do you juggle and what do you prefer the most? Like, how does that work for you? You know, in the beginning, when I tried to wear multiple hats, I, I was just looking for ways to get multiple tasks done on uh the least amount of budget because that's kind of what i had right was uh, mm -hmm. it, this is my budget this is my work budget this is whatever i can assess to music without uh putting myself in in too much debt and not being able to pay my car note and all these things that i had responsibilities of but initially it was just about okay well i can't hire a graphic designer at this point to meet the quality that i i know i need mm -hmm. but i can learn photoshop Okay, well, I cannot afford at this point a video editor that is going to give me the quality. But you know what? I've been editing videos probably just as long as I've been making music. Mm -hmm. I'll just continue to shoulder those responsibilities. And so in the beginning, I think the balance worked out because if I didn't get it done, it wouldn't get done. So it wasn't a matter of trying to figure out what's the perfect harmony between them. It was chaotic. Yeah. Uh, but eventually... Uh, what I figured out is that um, someone gave me great advice. A mentor of mine told me, you know, you wear all these hats. You're a producer. Some people know you as an artist. Some people know you as whatever. But mm -hmm. don't forget, when you zoom out of all that, you're just a creative. So wearing the title of being a creative, I think, helps so much in terms of recognizing that I am none of these things. What I am is how I do it. And I work hard at all yeah. of them. I'm, I give the most to all of them. But the way that I balance it now is just recognizing that the music won't sound the same unless you allow me space to just graphic design. Mm 
the graphic design won't be the same if you don't allow me space to cut up content and uh, live stream and just, you know, make beats or make songs. It, it's all working in harmony because they need one another. I'm a creative spirit. Yeah. And I can relate to that for sure. Um, and for you, because you talk about like, you know, chaos at first and then like later on, you mm -hmm. know, you kind of probably get in the groove of stuff. Like for you as a creative, because um, I know for me, I need like structure or like time management for me, mm -hmm. especially like, you know, they say there's 24 <laughs> hours in a day. But it, I, for me, I have to break it down and that's how I get shit done. For right. you, like, is that the same way or what's your way of kind of like being able to do multiple things in a day? Well, also recognizing what needs to get done in the day is probably the most important for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard a quote that said, you know, your only goal of the day should be just to win the day. And what it means to win the day might be something completely different from, for everybody else. Mm -hmm. For me, it may be only three tasks that make me feel like, you know what? I won the day. I, you not even use the most amount of time throughout the day, but these, these tasks that I created are these tasks that I've, I've completed um, are moving the needle closer to me accomplishing whatever goal that is. If it's to generate income, mm -hmm. then I need to do income producing activities. If it's to build up community, then I need to do community building responsibilities. But a lot of times we stack up our days with all these different tasks because we're we're afraid or we're we're insecure about something or we think that you know just being busy is the same thing as being productive and uh you know sometimes it kind of satisfies our ego but i had to recognize that that's not what my value is to the day i, I need to win the day and so i what i've done is i got a whiteboard up here close that i don't put a lot of things on it per day it's probably like even yesterday looking at the the, the responsibilities i had a video review i had a, sh a live stream and then edit micro content now that has many steps within them but they're only the only things i need to do that day so i don't go to sleep feeling guilty and wishing that i accomplish more because more doesn't necessarily mean better that's true that's deep yeah that's true um, I like that because I think I was talking about that uh, you touch on like being busy versus being productive and mm -hmm. like that I think hustle mentality I think a lot of us like uh, like at least for me like my parents were always working so I felt like mm -hmm. that kind of I guess it's like a trauma maybe response where like I always want to be doing something right it is. <laughs> uh, it is. but then it you is. realize like you said it's okay like I think you might have posted it because I seen it I saw it on social media too where it's like um, sometimes you got to rest. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to earn your rest. Like you just need like a day mm -hmm. to just do nothing. And that's that's totally fine, especially as a creative. I think we're like so hard on ourselves. Right. Like we feel like if we didn't create something that day, like we like, like we're a lazy bum. Yeah. yeah we're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like we, disappointment, <laughs> disappointment and all these things. And it's like it's it's not fair to do that to us when yes. the only people who care that much about it are people who work hard. The mm -hmm. people who care to criticize that are people who don't actually know what hard work is. So we're always the ones who absorb that kind of critique and then want to do something about it because we actually care yeah. about moving the needle. But the, the truth of the matter is all of us are trying to achieve a flow state, right? We're trying to mm -hmm. achieve a, a level of flow within our work that we we are so invested in it that we lose track of time. We lose track of when's the last time we ate. We're just so <laughs> invested by the work in front of us that we just kind of lose touch with reality to a certain degree. We're yeah. all trying to achieve flow, but flow doesn't get created by just hammering 
have to work all the time with brute force. The most important thing that you could do to ensure that you consistently get in the flow is to treat rest with as much importance as your work. Like you have to mm-hmm. look at, you have to look at rest almost as competitive as when you're sitting in front of your, your creative task and you're like, I want to be the best at this. You're talking to somebody who got bags under their eyes. I'm still working on it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm starting to see that is the ultimate cheat code because what is every hustler doing? Every hustler is working in and lacking on sleep. What happens after the hustler eventually comes down health issues, right? Exactly. Um, Cause sleep deprivation is, is the quickest stress and sleep deprivation are the, some of the quickest killers for all of us. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm recognizing now, like when I have a day where I know I have so many things I need to do, if I'm not feeling it, this is the flexibility and the freedom that I worked so hard to achieve, to get to take a break. A few days yeah. ago, I had terrible neck pain from being in front of the computer for hours and on end. And I just, I, I woke up and said, am I going to give the best to this day? Am I going to even give uh, what the people are needing? Or am I just gonna show up because I get a badge of honor for just yeah. showing up? No, I wanna be my best. And if I take this day off, that might mean another month of high level productivity or take this weekend off. So I I, I don't play with rest anymore. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, because it's like you will lose more time anyways. Like you said, it ends up affecting your health. Mm-hmm. And then, like, if you're not healthy, then you can't do the things you want to do. And then it actually takes more time out of, like, where you you get sick and who knows how long you're going to get sick for, you know, if it's something where it's, like, health or, or mental. Yeah. Think about the irony of that, what you just said, in that people say, well, why don't you ever take a break? Because I have money to be made and and, and I can't lose out on that money. Well, if you keep hammering at your body like that, your body's going to put you in a position where you can't work and you lose out on money. <laughs> and it might possibly even more, right? <laughs> and yeah, Exactly, because medical expenses are no joke. So yeah. even when people say, you know, um, for 10 years before I broke it this year, and I'm, I'm getting back to it, but for 10 years I did straight, you know, uh, no meat diet and vegetarian vegetarianism. And I... Mm-hmm. Uh, People are like, man, it's so expensive to eat healthier. And I'm like, you know what's more expensive than eating healthy is the medical bills that pile up from me eating unhealthy, the the, the cheaper mm-hmm. foods and all of that. So that that to me is like the the irony in life. And it's almost like mm-hmm. I know you I know you're 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 like you're, you're, the theme of your branding is really within uh you know um like horror films. Those are some of my favorite like <laughs> or like 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 plot twists. It's when it's like you thought you got away with something <laughs> and that was your inevitable doom. Yeah. Like I, to me, that's just that's just the reality of life is that nobody gets out of this alive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, it's like they what's it called. John dies in the end. It's like we all die in the end. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, um, or like, or like the Saw movies where you have you have at the very, you know, at the end where you think that there's a there's a hero in this movie and come to find out even they die. And it's like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I was invested with this character. There's no way this person dies. And it's like, <laughs> well, in real life, like the, these these titles don't exist. Yeah. Just the circumstances and the events that we walk one foot in front of the other and, you know, hope for the best. But in real life, like, the, you know, <laughs> there are no, they're, 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 I don't want to say that there's no heroes, but uh, everyone has a demise. Everyone has an end. Yeah. It's expiration date on it all. So. 
Yeah, that's true. Even like, or like the villains or in movies or whatever, or the villains, the heroes, like at the end, everybody's flawed, right? Nobody's perfect. Yeah. That's one thing we, we realized. Um, and I like what you said about, you know, like being in like a flow state, right? Like trying to make things kind of be seamlessly and stuff like that. Like I saw that you posted, I think it was, I forgot what the name of the track was. It was one of your singles. We were talking about the way you change the way you uh, write music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty cool. Like, do you want to talk a little bit about that for those sure. listening uh, for like musicians? So I, uh, for those that don't know, I've been making music as a producer and a rapper and artist for almost 20 years now. And as you can imagine, I've seen different eras of music creation before the internet, at the beginning of the internet, mm-hmm. um, in terms of like the more social media internet is what I'm talking about because internet's been around forever, right? Um, but I've seen different eras of this and I've tried different creative paths to try to get my art completed. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I've done things that went against like you know, we have these purest rules sometimes in hip hop that are like, you know, if you're a producer, you never you never want to use uh, someone else's <laughs> loops or drum loops or whatever. And so I've been breaking those things down in the name of evolving, in the name of trying to achieve a better flow in what I'm doing. And this year, I broke away from something that I was probably the most purest about, which was any song that I wrote, any verse that I wrote was pen to paper. And I felt like there was such a deep connection between pen and paper and the ideas that came from my brain, I didn't ever want to break away from it. It, it was nostalgic. It reminded like yeah. those 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 black and white notebooks that you get from the grocery yeah, store. The composition books, right? The composition <laughs> books. I'm so like I don't know, like I don't have a whole lot of impulse buys. Like I'm not somebody that buys a bunch of fancy stuff except for my, you know, my equipment and whatnot. But <laughs> when I see those composition books, it takes I have to skip that aisle because I just want to collect them. I love the idea of a blank canvas to work with. So that's how obsessed I was with writing. But this year and a little bit last year at the end, I started experimenting with, okay, on my YouTube channel, I live stream. I was live streaming almost every day at some point and I'm making songs. I got so comfortable with the process that it was like, I got these people watching me right now, like 50, 60 something people watching me. Do I really want to, I don't want to say waste 30 minutes of their time uh, as they wait on me to write a verse and hopefully I do it in 30 minutes? I said, no, I want to try making this beat, keeping everything moving, looping a section and just saying whatever's on my mind. And when I tell you doing that at first was like, okay, am I doing this right? Am I, you know, because when you write with your pen, you feel like there's so much more detail you can add and it just yeah. has more to it. But the reality of it is that it's not always about what you're saying. It It is very much how you're saying it and mm-hmm. also leaving room for people to digest the things that you say. And I think that for somebody that, that comes from a, a, a lineage of lyricists, somebody who came up uh, as a lyricist, that's so important. It's, you, know, you don't want to just stuff a bunch of words there's so much value in the simplicity of can you break this down for somebody who doesn't quite understand all the the, the detailed nuance. And yeah. so this process, I I fell in love with it. So now it's like, I don't know if I can do this in a studio session with other people quite yet, but I know mm-hmm. when it's me, turn the cameras on. I got I give I give myself three hours to do all this, make a beat, write the song. Mm-hmm. It's such a fluid motion. And what I recognize is the same thing I recognize with making beats that if you want to continue flow, you got to continue moving. 
Flow reacts to your movement. Flow reacts to your decision-making and your ease in decision-making. When something doesn't work, pivot. Go to the next thing. Don't over-obsess over this thing. So my writing process has changed, and I listen to the music, and it feels like more like a conversation and less like me trying to impress somebody with you know how detailed my lyricism is or yeah. how entertaining the way it's just there's so many different things i think as as lyricists we pay attention to that normal consumers just don't give a damn about it's like tell me a story and can i understand it and can i relate yeah that's what i'm focused on that's my process now and i'm loving it that's dope yeah i can relate because i've done i'm the same way as you i started writing with pen and paper you know and then uh, there was there's been times where like I, I play like and I think it's happened to you as well like uh, even before you probably switched your um, the way you do it but mm -hmm. for me I noticed that if I found like a really dope beat that I just I don't know like something about it that just like you can just write to it without even having to write on a piece of paper like for me mm -hmm. I would just put it on put the mic on and then just kind of like you said say things just from the top of my head and then I noticed that those like you said the delivery the the flow of it it just makes it more like you said fluid yeah, um yeah. and then even if it doesn't make sense because i'm pretty sure you've said it where you say some stuff and i'm like oh it doesn't really make sense but then it kind of <laughs> starts off like it's like when you're starting to write like a paragraph for for your paper and that's the hardest part of starting with that first line right when you do it like that you're like oh i, I said this but maybe i can fix it but it's like just the free flow of your your mind just kind of creating it as you go yeah and, crazy. And, and and something else i noticed it, it, just to add on to what you're saying is that when you're adding a line at a time like that you're also reviewing what you just said. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you're reviewing it as if you're the listener or as if you're the director of a movie. Like when a director yeah. looks at a scene, they have a monitor that's on top of the camera to look at it. And then they'll say, hold on, let's do playback. And they'll do playback and they'll say, oh, that was good. You know what? But we can do this better. And so as I'm doing this line by line, my focus shifts from, okay, I have 16 bars that I wrote down. And I want to get through this and make it sound as seamless as possible and as natural as possible. Now I'm focusing on each line, each two bar line. And I'm like, do I really need to say a word right after this? Or should I leave some space here? So people are able to absorb it because I think yeah. we, I think as creatives, we take for granted that not everybody else is creative. Yeah. That's and deep, we yeah. speak a certain language to them sometimes <laughs> that is like, they're like, I don't that's not my that's not my thing so yeah. <laughs> uh it's important to be able to put your listener cap on sit back and be like as like a video director and be like hmm i like the way i said that maybe now i should shift this next two bars because of how i said that yeah no i agree and i think that was my thing one thing about like the way i write it was more like mm -hmm. poetry kind of structure mm -hmm. um i remember kill c ray shout out to him he was the one that was like you're you're like cramming too much into like a sentence like and like he said the same thing like not everybody's gonna be paying attention to it you have to like make it as simple as possible yes. like what you just said <laughs> you can just make it even shorter and then from there i kind of changed the way i would structure my my songs because it, it does make a, a huge difference and then one thing about me is i'm like i don't like silence in between sometimes so he was like <laughs> like you need to let it breathe you know like right, you, know, you right. have to have like bar after bar and i was like oh okay okay and so well, kind of I mean, like changed up your delivery you know because when you think about certain things like media, like in silence in media is like the worst thing. Like the radio silence is terrible when you're doing something with video <laughs> or content. But um, there's a lot of strength in in having the ability to say something and let people gather their thoughts upon what you said. Like yeah. it's it's such a we all are like when we watch a a, a live performance or we watch a you know like a comedian 
like that comedic pause yeah, yeah. is a is a valuable thing to have in your bag because you give people an opportunity to like build up tension and be like oh i think i know where he's going <laughs> and then you deliver on it then that's like that's just the ultimate so i think that us i, I feel you i'm the same way i was always insecure about i fit all these different words in the bars and then I'm like, oh, my God, if I have a space here, they're going to think I ran out of rhyming words or whatever the case may be. Just <laughs> yeah. stupid stuff that kind of mind. But uh, I remember Noah. Shout out to homie Noah James. He told me one time he was like, we know you can rap. He's talking about us as listeners. We know you can rap. But he's like, can you can you just talk to us? Can you just say what's on your mind so that we can we can catch up to your your train of thought? We can catch up to who you are and your story. He yeah. said, I think the moment that you slow it down. Uh, more people are going to latch on to what you're doing. And that's what produced like songs like Sinbad, you know, where I literally space was all over that song. I think I'm Sinbad, (laughs) Gone and Forgotten, product of the 90s. That's when I was popping. Like that's that's so difficult for somebody who's used to just being a swordsman about adding a bunch of words, you know? Yeah, especially I think also the rappers we grew up like uh, cannabis is one of them. So like for me, I was just like trying to be cannabis, you know. And I was yeah. like, uh, I was like, I can't be cannabis. <laughs> uh, I get that. I get um, that. Well, not, it was Nas and Jay Z for me, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, those are those are the ones for me for sure. And obviously, like the era changes, so like I feel like more people like you know, shout out to Noah. Like the the advice he gave you is like it's true. Like I think a lot of people now want simple simple songs that like mm-hmm. you don't need to go and look in the dictionary you know like it's just something yeah. simple and the catchy too that you can like resonate with and also like keep hearing in your head you know it, it's almost like watching it's almost like watching a uh a, 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 how do i put this like one of those one of those movies that are like a uh like a it's plot twist after plot twist after plot twist but it's like way too deep it's almost like you're watching a movie like that in the middle of it. And you're like, what the hell? Like, like uh, Memento. It's yeah. like watching Memento towards the middle of the movie. You're like, this sound. Or even Pulp Fiction. You don't realize everything is being given to you in reverse order. Mm-hmm. Um, you need context. Context is so important. But you got to speak on a left. Like it, so, I think it's great to want to be masterful and have mystery to what you're doing. But you got to make people first, first of all, give a damn about what you're talking about. Exactly. Yep. Um, and you obviously one of your biggest brands is like doing it yourself. You just talked about also like, Absolutely. you know, training yourself on how to do certain things. I think as an independent artist, one thing you have to like learn how to do a little bit of everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, where did that mentality come from? Like do it yourself type of thing? Well, I was already doing it myself from the very beginning, as we talked about earlier. And so yeah. it wasn't necessarily a brand as much as it was just like my inner sense of pride in this mm-hmm. idea of, you know, DIY has more history within, um, within like, uh, uh, how do I put this? Like Home Depot and like folks that are doing <laughs> DIY projects at home and, you know, yeah, creating yeah. their own cabinets and all. It has more history in that kind of stuff, uh, repairmen and whatnot. But for me, a lot of people tried to make me feel like it was a weakness to do all these things for myself. They try to make me feel like I was trying to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And they didn't realize how much joy I could have taking on all these hats and how doing one thing removed pressure from this other thing needing to be something, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have to be the best video editor, but if I get it to a level where you're asking me, who edited that? 
it's pretty good. For me, that was like the greatest satisfaction because it's like yeah. with time I can, it's like any, any task, I can learn how to get better. But fast forward to 2012, I made a project called DIY. And it was once again, a project where I was like, you know what? I've been chasing so many different things, chasing radio play, chasing uh, features, chasing ideas that I share with people that nobody would really see the vision in it except for me. And I was like, I'm tired. I just want to, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop sharing with people and just do it myself. So I produce all the beats, a majority of the beats. I think uh, the homie Jinx produced uh, a few on there, but mm -hmm. uh, everything. I just launched on ideas that sounded so stupid out loud and I just <laughs> did it and produced some of the most, I think some of the most uh, popular songs in my catalog. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to now, 2022, we did DIY too. And yeah. uh, it was the first project that I showed people where I literally recorded every single song session from beginning to end on, uh, on an SD card. If you know, oh, wow. most like I had an SD card in 4K. So when <laughs> I was vlogging these, I only had four hours to do a song and uh, complete it. And I did the whole project like that, either on the SD card or on live stream. And so what I noticed is that my content, even beyond producers and artists, it resonates with people who don't like waiting on people. It resonates with people yeah. who feel like their ideas are worthy enough to invest their own money and are not hard. They're not afraid of doing the hard work to make it mean something right to other people. Yeah. And so when I saw that it resonated with so many different people, I was like, you know what? I had a buddy of mine, um, uh, the homie Pack, he, and he was like, man, I really think that this is your brand. And he helped me really see the vision on that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in came <laughs> this, this logo, in came the DIYers, uh, hammer over wrench yeah. emoji. And it's just everything just started to come together because that's naturally what my brand has always been from the beginning. Yeah, that's really dope. That's why I like I like, I like that. And I like the, the projects that you dropped. But um, I like that you stand for that because I feel like a lot of, like the era that we're from, I feel like we kind of just had to learn how to do it ourselves, especially because now we have all these tools mm -hmm. that weren't available before, you know, like you can, you know, put yourself on distro or whatever you either distro kid tune core, whatever. Like there's so many different ways for like musicians now to be able to do it from like, you don't really need anybody. Mm -hmm. Obviously you'll, you'll still need to get the skills and, and own the craft, but um, there's just so many tools now that we have at our disposal. And yeah. it's kind of like on you if you don't learn it, you know? Like if you really want it, you, you'll learn how to do this stuff. Sure. And, and, and I think that's the era we're living in, even be like I said, even beyond just, excuse me, us as musicians. Like mm -hmm. during the pandemic, you saw so many people who had ideas but yeah. didn't have the opportunity to launch on it because they had jobs, they had responsibilities, they had school, they had things that they had to tend to. And I feel like 2020 was a great reset for a lot of people in that. Yeah government told you couldn't lead a house, right? A lot of folks didn't want to lead a house. And so a <laughs> yeah. lot of businesses got launched and there's businesses to this day that still wouldn't have been in existence had it not been for everything that happened that forced us to stay at home with ourselves, our yeah. families and our thoughts. And so I look at that and I'm, I'm recognizing that I've already always been on that, right? I haven't worked mm -hmm. a, a nine to five uh, since, you know, 2009 maybe oh, wow. I've, been, I've been i've been very very uh very blessed to be able to yeah. do what i'm doing but the diy culture to me is just another name for independent mm -hmm. it, to me is the it's 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 a extension of it to where it's like uh i was talking to noah about this at, one, at an event a few a few months ago and he was like you recognize that 
a lot of people who identified themselves as underground weren't necessarily independent. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, there's a lot of underground artists who, you know, by their own want, decided they didn't want mainstream success, but they weren't necessarily independent about or being proactive about taking on multiple responsibilities. They still had teams. Yeah. They still had people who were taking care of their social media, taking care of their booking. And he's like, we are the the new independents. And I'm like, it's a lot of, there's so much truth to that. So in, in, in light, in lieu of the new independents, I just call it DIYers because I feel like it's more than just independent artists, independent music. It's folks who just have great ideas and and, and they're tired of trying to make other people believe in them. They're tired of waiting on them. And they're like, you know what? I put my own money on it and I'll do it myself. Yeah. Now I'm always with that too. Cause I feel like it's funny how, some uh some artists that are trying to like you know get on or sign which i feel like that's like the old mentality but there's there's, you know there's still people that think that like by getting signed or co-signed like they'll like you know whatever i don't know what they have in their minds but it's like at the same time like i think it's smart like what what we're kind of talking about is like learning how to do everything because if you just trust this one person that's gonna try to like do the best for you is like come on you're like living in it like a little dream or something um because it's not like that in the industry like you kind of have to kind of fend for yourself and be knowledgeable about like different things from like you know owning your publishing all that stuff you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and for you um do you see yourself like i don't know like becoming kind of like i guess you are already like a mentor like you know in the producing community and on like the artist community but do you ever feel yourself like see yourself getting like started like a like a record like a record label or something along the lines where like you have like an incubator for artists or is that something that's hell not, no no hell <laughs> no I, I i i love artists and i know artists way too well to do something like that to myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've i have given a large chunk of my life to to the creative community yeah. um through my content through my one-to-one mentorship through the events like you talked about earlier through yeah. my book uh I could I I would never want to be someone's manager. I would never <laughs> want to be, you know, um even mentorship I've learned that it can be extremely draining when you're mentoring mm-hmm. people who want the information because they like how it sounds but they have no intent to actually use it. Yeah. And um that's draining for me because my thing is I'm not so obsessed with you saying, oh, my God, that was so inspirational, Curtis. Like, oh, my God, you helped me so much. I want to know if it actually worked for you because all I can give you is my own experience and the things that I went through in hopes that it translates the same way for you. Yeah. And so uh, that's my biggest thing. And so mentorship is is cool, but I need to be able to control the uh, the amount of energy and time that I give to it. And not make that the center focus of what I do or find ways that I can do that and still, you know, have my life. <laughs> yeah. Because once you become folks mentors, it, it's it's human beings are that's why I stay pretty stoic on things, right? Because mm-hmm. I understand that human beings can flip on you really quickly. I've had people who within four messages, hey Curtis, man, you're an inspiration. I love what you do. You said something that changed my life. I didn't get an opportunity to get back to you, but I had a plan to come back to it. Second message, yo, get back to me third message you're not shit Curtis like I, I like I've, I've had that happen so many times where yeah. I'm learning uh to to take to heart what Gary V says about 
don't overvalue the positive or the negative feedback because they can both flip in a moment's notice. And they also have truths, right? Somebody could tell you that you're inspiring to them, but they could also be uh, lightweight jealous. Yeah. Right? You inspire them, but they also wish, they also feel like they should be where you're at. So um, I don't think that's everybody, but I think it's a good reason to just stay pretty even and be grateful for it all that somebody yeah. cares enough to say something negative about you or that somebody says something care they they, they say something uh positive about you and they care enough to even share that because they could have kept that to themselves i'm equally That's grateful true. because none yeah. of this is old to me for sure yeah yeah and where do you see yourself like or what's your ultimate goal like for yourself like maybe like five ten years from now um Five years from now, like I'm, I'm really about living in the moment. I'm living in the moment, yeah. right? Because I recognize that <laughs> you could plan whatever you want to plan, and then something <laughs> pops up and changes all those plans. So true, true. I stay pretty loose about that, even though I do have two um, giant goals that I always have in my mind that everything is building towards. And I think that's healthy to have that, right? Because it, yeah. it, it, it sometimes is the reason why you wake up in the morning. But I, I, I want to do two major things. I want to have a 24-hour vegetarian restaurant drive through <laughs> since I, I've had so many late-night studios. I know that sounds random, but late-night <laughs> studio sessions in which there were no healthy options. And uh, the second one would be to create a school, a traditional brick-and-mortar school for music producers and rappers uh, who want to be the best independent artists and, ra- and producers they can be, right? DIYers, yeah. almost like a DIY university. Um, those are two things that are like major goals of mine. But in the meantime, I just need to exchange as much value as I can for as much capital can be built so that I can reinvest it into not only those ideas in the future, but also make sure that I, you know, maintain my, my, my life and uh, provide for my family. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I ultimately want to be in a position to have those two things accomplished. Those are huge to me. That's dope. Yeah, I, I agree with the with the drive through because sometimes you're like, there's nothing. He- there's no healthy options to drive through. <laughs> it's terrible. Like Jack and the crack. Like, yeah. And, and, and shout out to all of those folks, because, I mean, you know, if it wasn't for them, maybe I'd just been hungry uh, that <laughs> night. But, you know, it's just options that if you knew there was a healthy option you would do that. And that's something that I'm like, yeah. I, I remember having those thoughts when I was in the drive-thru, I'd feel guilty. Like, damn, do I really need this breakfast jack right now? Yeah. I mean, I'm hungry, but damn it. I wish it was like, and I don't want the <laughs> little side salad they got. Cause that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and what's like your, your favorite part of the creative process and what's your least favorite. My favorite part of the creative process is the flow state is when I've taken on tasks and I've gone through multiple steps and it's got me to a place where I'm just like, I'm in this. That is the greatest feeling. One of the greatest feelings in the world is when you know that you're in a flow and it's almost like Super Mario when he got the, the star and, and, and nothing could touch him, <laughs> nothing could harm him. Like I, I That's how I feel in that process. And yeah. I can achieve flow through arranging my beats. I could get it through working on it but that mode where you just feel like there's you can do no wrong it's the greatest feeling in the world and, and I, mm-hmm. I achieve it through multiple art forms um my least favorite is probably the way i feel physically 
a day after. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So, like, the migraines, the neck pains, uh, the stuff that makes me have to invest, you know, an incredible amount of money into turmeric and things that help with inflammation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wish wish that I could keep my 20-year-old body and its endurance (laughs) through my 30s into my 40s. Like, I'm 38 now, but... That's probably, that's probably my least favorite because I just, I, I don't, there's not a, anything, there's not anything a part of the process that I hate so much and do anyways. I feel mm-hmm. like there's things that are lower on the list, but yeah. I I also recognize like, dog, this is a privilege for you to even call this a career. Chill out. Yeah. <laughs> so there's times where I'm like, oh, I want to edit a video, but yeah. I'm like, bro, you get to edit a video, first of all. And this is your profession. Shut up. Like, you, you're really complaining about this right now? <laughs> you know, if you, it, it, and then then when I do also, too, I think it's really important. Like, call yourself out on your own bull. Like, bro, what do you need? You need a nap? Yeah, I need a nap. Okay, they're going to take a grown man nap and come back to this. But stop playing around with time and time that could be spent with your family or time that could be spent doing something productive and half-assing it here. Like, I, I now am able to just stop myself in a moment mm-hmm. and say, all right, I don't feel like doing this type of task right now. But I'm not going to quit the entire thing. I just don't want to yeah. do this now and I move on to the next thing. Yeah. But that's also why wearing multiple hats is so fire because it gives you options to yeah, where I sit in front of the computer. Yeah, I sit in front of the computer and I can say, because I got a stand-up desk, I can lift the desk up and say, today all I'm doing is Instagram Reels. That's it. Or I can say today all I'm doing is thumbnails for future YouTube videos. That's it. Or you know what? I just want to mix a beat today. That's it. So yeah. um, that flexibility is important. And so I, I I try not to look at things as a part of the process, but yeah. really the after effects is the things that really literally kicks my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what advice would you give like um, to like an up and coming artist, either either a producer or a musician mm-hmm. or, or artist, like? Um, What's one piece of advice you would give them? Just be patient with the process. I know that's probably something they've heard a million and one times, but mm-hmm. no matter what you accomplish, no matter what you are working towards, what you're going to find is that your little friend called patience is going to continue to be the big dog, right? That little friend that you treating like is just, oh, that, that's just my little, that's like, I'm like your little brother, right? You're like, oh, that's just my little brother. He just, my mom made him come out here to play with us. <laughs> um, patience will always be there. And what you'll recognize is that no matter how old you get, no matter how mature, no matter how good you get at what you do, it's going to ultimately bring you back and humble you back here with that word, patience. So have patience with yourself. Try not to look at the highlights of other people on social media and make that rush what you're doing. Don't let people who have never even tried what you're doing give you advice on what you're doing. That's true that you take is like the Bible. Like that's, I, I, I think it's great to get influence from multiple people. Cause sometimes you get a gem from somebody who's never done it. I, I've mm-hmm. been there before. Nine times out of 10 though, it's folks theorizing. And a lot of times we value their theories over our own theories because we're asking them for advice. Cut all that Be patient and recognize that you're not behind. You're never behind, especially when you know, that you have a valid reason why you're doing what you're doing. You're never behind if you know why what you're doing. So patience is, is truly key because here I am 20 years into this and I'm still talking about the next, the next level. And a lot of people yeah. who get to this age, 
as creatives, they start thinking like, well, maybe it just didn't work out because I don't have massive, massive success by society standards. I'm looking at this like, you can't take this off of me because this is who I am. Yeah. No matter where you put me, this is who I am. So it's important. Yeah, that's true. And hey, you're 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 making a living out of your art. Not a lot of people can say that, you know. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what's crazy about that is that I I had this vision in high school, even at a time where like independence wasn't as cool as it is today. It wasn't as mm -hmm. socially accepted as it is today. And it still has a a, a ways to go. I'm yeah. thankful for folks like LaRussell and Tech Nine who like really make the conversation a mainstream conversation. Yeah. Even though they're still independent, but um, yeah, like like it still has a ways to go. But at that time, I had a vision. I was like, "Yo, if the worst case scenario is that I can just make a living and this is just my job, that's a W. That's a big yeah. W." So yeah, is, I, and yeah. and today, you know, I don't care how terrible of a day it is, the worst I can have is a good day. Exactly. Yeah. And you're your own boss, too. So <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. trying to like what you're what you're doing is my, you know, my end goal, too, is like, I don't want to have a nine to five. But for now, mm -hmm. I got to juggle until I can afford to pay bills with with my art. <laughs> well, it, it, and one thing I would tell you, too, like, I, I wish I would have had this mindset about my job and that my jobs. Contrary to what a lot of people say who quit their job and then they do this full time. Mm -hmm. This shit ain't easy, first yeah. of all. And second of all, um, jobs are not, they're not always the enemy if you choose to re- Like the way you see Reposition it. them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, 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 if I were working a job today, I would look at it as, it's annoying, but it is my angel investor. It is the reason exactly. why I'm able to say, all right, this part of my brain doesn't have to focus on how am I going to pay rent right now. You yeah. know what I mean? This part of my brain already knows I did my work and now this money can be invested into camera equipment, can be invested into music equipment, studio time, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Like that peace of mind is something that you're almost as an entrepreneur, you're kind of trained to live with a certain amount of chaos that you 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 see as peace <laughs> yeah. a certain amount of like looseness to your time and unpredictability because there's so many elements that are out of your control mm -hmm. and it's like you get paid when people get paid and then they see your stuff and then they invest in your stuff after you've convinced them of the value of it before they get it there's a lot <laughs> of things that i don't have control over and and yeah. um it's still really hard times yeah. Even through all that is, but these are the kind of problems that are high quality problems for me, and I'll take them any day, any day, anyway. Yeah, no, you you make a good point too about like the mentality because I remember like I think last year is when I was having a hard time. I was like, I was starting to kind of like hate my job, but I was mm -hmm. like, and then mm -hmm. I like I remember I had like a conversation with Kilsey, right? He's like, well, just kind of like we said, like think about it as like it allows you to fund your dreams, right? So yes. if you change the way you see it versus like, oh, I have to wake up every morning and go to this, you know, nine to five mm -hmm. and change it. And as soon as I changed kind of like the way I viewed it and more of like, okay, if, if it wasn't for this, like I wouldn't have the money, like you said, to invest in other things that mm -hmm. I want to do on the side. And it did help because then I was like, okay, I wasn't like having like a shitty day, like, cause I was pissed off that I had to go to work, you go to work, you yeah. know, like yeah. I was like, okay, now I can do this. And it allows me to still do what I love. Uh, after I get off, you know, uh, because 
Go ahead. I'm about to say, it also keeps you out of the work politics, too, because yes. work politics can be like, like when I worked at Quiznos, you know, I came home smelling like work. <laughs> <laughs> but then on top of that, I came home with the drama of work. I, oh, I Then yeah. I talked to like, you know, my mom or whoever was around about what happened at work. And so it was like I never actually clocked out. So when you, ha mm, when you yeah. know when you know why you're at work and you make the decision of, look, I'm here to do the best that I can. Because who you are is not what you do, it's how you do it. And if I half-ass it here, even when I become full-time in music, I'm going to half-ass it somewhere yeah. in there. And yeah. a lot of folks can't make that connection. It sounds stupid to them to even say that, but it's the truth. It's if true. you are at a job where you are paid to do a task and you half-ass it because you don't like it, Mm -hmm. That is going to be no different than you sitting in front of your video editing software and half-assing parts of the process, whether it's the keyframing, whether it's the smooth cutting, whether it's the coloring, whether it's whatever, yeah. because you don't like it. And that is exactly. going to reflect upon how people engage with it, how people enjoy it or don't enjoy it. So anywhere you go, give it your all. Anywhere you go. It's not about your job. It's not about your boss. It's not about trying to be a kiss ass. It's really about if I establish discipline here, it yeah. will be the greatest gift I give to my future business when I have to do this now. And I'm the boss because being your own boss, as cool as that sounds, it's 24 seven though. <laughs> it's 24 seven. And like, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's an amount of stress that I don't know that I, I have like compartmentalized until December when I get away from it all. And I take an entire month off. And then I recognize like how shaky my body has been. And I realize like how yeah. like on the go I've been and how hustle hustle I've been. And I just got to get reminded of the things that really matter the most, because when all of this is gone, you're going to be left with the relics or the results of all that stress that you put on your body. So yeah, uh, the job can be a gift. It's true. Yeah. Cause like you said, like your work ethic, all that stuff, you take it with you. So yeah, I'm the, yeah, I'm the same way. Like whatever I do, I kind of put like a hundred percent on it. Cause like you said, eventually, like if you're going to be your own boss, you're going to have to put the same work or even mm -hmm. actually more because you don't have days off. <laughs> how you do one thing is how you do everything. And, exactly. and a lot of folks don't want to hear that, but it's like, it's true. It is the truth. <laughs> um, and what's like your favorite song or album that you've done so far and why? Favorite song that I've done. Um, Or project. Favorite song. You asking me to pick my kids. <laughs> my favorite kids. Uh, favorite project is probably um, DIY, the first one, because okay. it was me being uh, a stubborn artist. Like, not even stubborn, but like being like, yo, I'm going to launch my ideas and I'm, I don't care what nobody got to say about it. And it, it produced some of the best music in my career. Yeah. So. Maybe it's maybe a tie between that and like Snick at Night, but I can't even listen to Snick at Night, so <laughs> it's 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 so like young and cringy for me. But uh, DIY for sure. In terms of songs, like it depends on what day you catch me. It'll be certain songs that I'm like, those songs represented all the hard work that I put in before it. And then there's certain songs that are just personal to me because I'm just like, that's my baby. Like I just, <laughs> so it depends on the days. Um, but I do have a song that is called Faithful as a Metro that nobody has ever heard. It's one of the very first ones, but I, I listened to that song, I kid you not, probably 700, 800 times after I did it. 
because it was the first time that I listened to music and didn't feel like it was me yeah. trying to rap. It was like me and a buddy of mine who could play the keys and he did like a piano solo at the end of it. Song's not that good, <laughs> but damn it, if I didn't, if that song doesn't represent like a, a, a micro vision of what was to come, yeah. that, that song absolutely does it. So, and then nobody's, nobody has access to it unless you got a CD. <laughs> <laughs> I have to like ask you for it or something. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, I don't even know if I got it, which is crazy. <laughs> um, and then you worked obviously with like, um, really dope artists like you know Noah James uh, Absol is one of them and I kind of wanted to ask you about like the the relationship that you have with like Absol um, how did that come about because he's one of my favorite artists and how was that experience and how has it been now like do you guys still keep in touch or how how has that yeah. been so Absol met me in the very same patio my grandmother's patio that I did all that DIY stuff I told you about the video editing the mm -hmm. graphic design and uh, on that patio, a lot of music got created. And yeah. uh, there was an artist that I found on MySpace that was local when I was living in Carson, California, where Absol's from. Mm -hmm. And he was the first one that I met. And he was kind of like uh, the homie Grimm. He was the connection to Absol. Okay. And then eventually Absol came over. Eventually, uh, the, the group that Absol was a part of, the collective Top Notch, came over. And so there was a session that we had. I made a beat. And they was like, oh, this is hard. The first time mm -hmm. I recorded Absol in my grandmother's patio, uh, he was just a very rare talent that you know you only see every so once in a lifetime, right? Yeah. And uh, I saw it as, at a young age there. We we couldn't have been no older than, like, sheesh. Like, I might have been early 20s. Uh, early 20s, you know what I mean? So yeah, uh, that's how I met him. And then from there, we started to work more and more on that patio until eventually he got signed to uh, TDE. And when he got signed to TDE, him just being the kind of guy he is, he was like, uh, let's keep working. And obviously, you know, you, 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 you continue to work with me and invest in me before. And I want to do the same thing with you as we move forward in here. So with me yeah. having that relationship, I gave him a beat CD, a CD full of beats, and he took those those beats over to TDE. And uh, <laughs> it's a lot of stories that are told about that CD because it, not all the beats were the best beats. One of the beats was a gunshot beat that uh, was, you know, something that punched from TDE. The president talks about all the time where he's like, it was the worst beat he ever heard. But that beat was what Schoolboy Q rapped over when auditioning to basically get signed to TDE. And he was signed afterwards oh, wow. <laughs> uh, with that. And he said it himself on interviews on Homegrown where he's like, man, that beat was terrible. But shout out to you, Curtis King, for that. So, uh, but <laughs> now that's, that's how the relationship happened with them. And yeah, um, yeah, Ab, to this day, like we, we don't talk as much, nearly as much, because I mean, mm -hmm. his, his scheduling has got to be crazy, especially after his last project, his last phenomenal project. Oh, yeah. But uh, we talked before the project came out and just kind of, caught up and honestly we connected on something he's now disclosed about therapy yeah. and uh i made a video about going to therapy and in the in the, in the shift that it had on me and so i'm more grateful for having those kind of conversations yeah. with folks like that because the music is something that you know in any scenario you use one another mm -hmm. right when you're working with somebody you use one another even if it's somebody that you that's your collaborator, that's your folk, you're using one another. And if you're not using them, that means you're useless. I got that from, a, uh, it was a Kanye quote I heard <laughs> that said that, right? Yeah. If nobody is using you, you're useless. 
And so it's not a bad thing, but I think that when you have those, ex when you go from the using to the exchanging, yeah. oh, that's so valuable. And so I I'm grateful now that we can have conversations that are aside from just what you got, what you got in them beat archives to like, yeah. yo, how's life? So yeah, exactly. I talked to him recently and that, that was, that was super dope to catch up with him on that level. Yeah, it would be dope. Like uh, he's like one of my uh, top bucket lists to have on because I would like to just talk about like not even music, but like just about what he goes through his mind because he's just like a deep thinker. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's dope. And um, what other like? Because another collaboration that I like I, I mentioned was Noah James. You guys have uh, Pterodactyl Jones for those who mm -hmm. who don't know your duo. Will we ever? I know I saw like you guys recording music, but I don't know if it was just solo for for Noah. But like, would we ever see another uh, Pterodactyl Jones track or album yeah, or anything? Yeah, you could <laughs> yeah, there was a Pterodactyl Jones song that got dropped uh, called "The Terror Dome" that 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 was dropped towards the end of last year that we dropped. So okay. we definitely have plans for it. It's just with with Noah always in movement. Yeah, with me <laughs> always in content flow. Mm -hmm. Um. That's just been the thing, and the fact that I, you know, I live where I live at, uh, it's a bit of a distance. But when it's that time, we'll absolutely lock in and we'll make it happen. I don't take that for granted. I, I know that that's going to happen. But um, yeah, I mean, I think with the with the tour coming up, mm -hmm. that's going to make more opportunities for us to kind of see, like, you know, when you're collaborating with somebody, I think it's beyond just dope beats, dope rhymes, yeah. right? When you really want to make some some great music. You got to spend time, time with the people. Yeah. You got to see where they're at in life because a lot of us have been used to, let's just rap. And we rap and then we go through the motions. People say it's fire and then they play it for a few months and they forget about it. But there is a key to creating music that makes people want to stick with it, right? That that it, it, To me, it's almost like the equivalent of merchandise. When you give somebody a t-shirt and they're like, that's a cool tee, I wear it a few times. There's a difference between that and when somebody says, this is my favorite pin and it has Curtis King <laughs> on the side of it, right? It has my favorite yeah. quote. So I, I want to create more moments like that within music. And uh, I, I have no doubt that he and I will create that because I think that I'm a better producer. We're both better artists and uh, it could just be something special. It's good timing. Yeah, that'd be dope. Um, and what's uh, what, like, what's another favorite like collaboration that you've done uh, for you that stands out to you? Oh gosh, Leotis. Anything with the homie Oh Gosh is gonna always be one of my favorites because <laughs> um he was the first person, first producer and engineer that I didn't have to over explain things. And he was like, like, we'll talk. And I'm like, man, I was thinking you should he's like, I already know. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't even say it. He's like, I already know. And then he does it, and then I'm like, that was exactly what I was gonna be asking for, but ten times better. Um, <laughs> he's somebody that making music with is so easy and nice. um not everybody has that skill set so that's absolutely my favorite collaborator when we're able to do it we live at even a further distance than we did before but um we got songs in the archives in the banks that i just you know I, I would love to get out there but he's somebody that whenever we get together like my first project that cracked top four on the itunes hip-hop charts my actually two projects that did yeah. um were produced and engineered solely by him because we just get in a very special zone yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's one of my favorites for sure. That's cool. Um, and now to like switch a little bit to the the horror side, I, I asked you if you were like a fan. Um, mm -hmm. Where did like your your love for horror come from? From being a little kid 
and watching shows that other kids wouldn't watch from watching black and white horror films and feeling something completely different than I did with like the scary movies of the day. Like I didn't, the jump scares didn't scare me because I had real fear. It was just like, Oh my God, like, come on, (laughs) chill out. But like the stories that are told that make you feel like the room is getting smaller. Mm-hmm. The stories that are told that make you question what's in the darkness. Like, those are things that I'm like, oh, only a Twilight Zone could create that kind of experience. <laughs> yeah. And so that's where I initially fell in love with the horror genre was mm-hmm. through Twilight Zone. Because I was nice. like, <laughs> I was a show that it that was here 40, 50 years before I was even born. Like, how <laughs> how does it still feel so real yeah. today to me there's something in the storytelling there's something in the message that feels like it resonates even the more funnier episodes were still 10 times more creepier than like <laughs> Freddy versus you know what I'm saying like like yeah. some of the stuff that I saw as it came through and I was like for me that's what got me uh yeah. in there but uh coming up I mean obviously I got my sweater on for you today but uh <laughs> Freddy Freddy for sure yeah. Freddy Cougar anything yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street I love that yeah uh but I'm like one of those classic, like I love Alfred Hitchcock. Oh yeah. God, I love how to this day. Uh, and and I know most folks would be like, oh, that's boring. I'm like, no, there's stories in here that are so real that make them even scarier than just, yeah, you know, the straightforward, like, you know, killing in blood and all. It's just like, there's a, there's a certain nuance to it that I love so much. I agree. Have you, have you watched the, um the alfred hitchcock movie that they did it was like kind of like a a biography of him but it was anthony hopkins plays him i don't know if you've seen it no it's called uh hitchcock uh but you should no. watch it because i watched it and it was pretty cool like i think some of it is loosely based on his life yeah, but other yeah, things yeah, are pretty like do. on point yeah i watched it i gotta watch that yeah. no, I, i'm and anthony hopkins is a great play person to play that yeah i know he I was a little bit him. yeah let me see i know he's a little bit trippy i know, I know my guy alfred hitchcock was was out there but um that's really what got me in love with it was like I became more open to like, you know, the uh the the, the Freddy Cougars and and the Jasons. Like I became more open to all the whole genre. Yeah. But I needed my introduction to be Twilight Zone because uh it was scaring the, the daylights out of me when I was a kid. I think it's also because it's like uh we talk about like, you know, the cautionary tales and like the moral at the end. Like I feel yeah. that's why because it's like so relatable to real life is why yeah. it's creepy. And that's that that that's the kind of stuff that now as an adult, like there, it takes so much more to move me. Like, I, yeah. like I, I get I, now I understand, like when you have a love for a genre, when you have a love for a theme, it's a love for it's a genuine love for everything that comes along with it. Right. Yeah. No matter how gory it gets, no matter how even like cheesy some of the, the actresses may get, it doesn't matter. You love it in its entirety. Like one exactly. of my favorite TV shows uh, horror TV shows is called Tales from the Dark Side. Okay. It is the corniest, yeah. cheesiest horror genre, like a horror genre TV show you'll see, but I am hooked. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, I am hooked when I watch it because the stories are intriguing and they're just enough, it's just enough honesty to make you say, hmm, never thought about it like that. Yeah. Even like Tales from the Hood is like, they're kind of silly, some of them, but some of them are like super dope. 
And I got to meet one of the the writers because I went to like a horror convention. It was like I think in 2019 or something. Oh, fine. And they were okay. really, they were really, like actually the two creators were like really dope. But I I asked them because my favorite one is the the first tales from the hood, the the episode where um they go to the plantation and then the little dolls turn real and attack yes. like the racist slave yes. owner dude. Yes. And I asked him, I was like, how did you come up with that? Because I thought it was really dope. And I guess he said his family's from New Orleans and like. He just kind of um, grew up like around that type of storytelling. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Yeah, um, I did that. That that is another. I, I feel like that's a genre of like, um, like whatever you want to call it, like 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 minority trauma. Yeah, black or like revenge, like, like revenge, horror, <laughs> like revenge. Like there's that's a whole genre like that. Yeah. That's why like, one of my favorite directors now is Jordan Peele. Yeah. Um, I always say like, I want my music when it hits you emotionally I wanted to make you feel how I felt the first time I watched get out from Jordan Peele or the first time I watched mm. us from Jordan Peele that is that is literally what I'm going for and how do you do that it's got to be not only a little bit out there sonically but it's also got to be so close to home that it makes you question if you're safe yeah right like it has to be has to be a level of truth to it and unexpectedness to it and then also a level of of uh of uh underlying messages and, and mystery yes. eggs that make you feel like oh somebody really thought about this movie and i can't predict what's going to happen next i that's what i need at this point yeah. for something to be in for a movie to be enjoyable but that's literally what my music is is like there's a reason why i took those drums out for that portion of time there's a reason i chose the cello and not a synthesizer string over this part mm -hmm. right here. There's a reason it got super dark and dramatic towards the end of it because think about what I said in those last two bars. Like, I'm conscious of all that. Yeah, that's dope. Um, and kind of getting to, like, talking about your favorite horror movies, like, what are your top five? And that's kind of hard sometimes, but right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tales from, Tales from the Hood is definitely one of them. Um, the Twilight Zone movie is another one of those. Okay. Jordan Peele already has bumped up with uh with us yeah and get out. I'm gonna put both of those, so that's okay. four. And then what's the fifth one for me? Um what is a fifth one for me? It'd have to be something like nineties. So I'm thinking like it's gonna change every day, but I'm gonna just say like yeah. Silence of the Lamb. Okay, I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's with, like with... one, yeah, <laughs> like once again, it's one of those that are like, it's it's not so far fetched that that couldn't be you, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Like, oh, it's just yeah, th those, and, and pretty much any movie where people are buried alive and they're still alive and they and, and, <laughs> and they find themselves at the bottom of it, like I, those make me feel so claustrophobic oh, when I'm yeah. watching them. But that's what I'm getting at is like, in order for me to enjoy a horror film, like I gotta feel something. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of like horror films kind of lose it at. Like a lot of more, more modern ones is where it'll be like, you know, this person gets a a a a, a, a message. No, no, like like the new Chucky. I look, I don't know how you felt about the new Chucky. No, I didn't like it, but Digital I still Chucky. went to go see it though. But. I went to go see it too cuz <laughs> excuse me. Let me you know what. Let me take out Silence of the Lamb and let me put Child's Play. Child's Play is going to be in that list. Okay, that's it. Yeah. Child's Play. Any it don't matter which was it does matter the first 3 I say, but Yeah. It I got agree. to a point in that last one where I'm like, I don't want to see Wi-Fi Chucky. <laughs> Seriously. 
I mean, you know the creepy saying? part was that it's, it's a doll, not a something robotic or electronic, right? That's... You're making it CGI. Like, I don't want to see CG Chucky. <laughs> yeah. I want to see Chucky where the hair looked very, like, like real. Like, home, real. And like, then, like, yeah. Even, yeah, like the, 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 the one of the, the first one when he's running, his feet are running up. It looks like a real doll that is running up on his lady. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, those are for sure probably my favorites. Uh, yeah, Child's Play definitely is up there because. It's that level of, um, and also too, I feel like the '90s and the '80s had a certain style of filming and coloring. Yeah, and just the special effects too. It was like for it to be so long ago, like we didn't use fucking CGI. We had like animatronics, like actual gore. Like, like I don't care what you say, animatronics are by far the scariest shit on earth. That is a scary. I'd rather do that a million times than CGI. (laughs) That's why, like, when I played, uh, I don't know if you played Five Nights at Freddy's. No, I, I heard of it, but I've never played it. I played it. I play. I got videos <laughs> on my on my YouTube where I'm where I'm like playing that on my uh, my, right my, my VR. I had like I'm genuinely terrified because these <laughs> things are just, you know, it's like the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics. Like those are the kind of things that I look at and I'm like, if 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 I got a knock at the door at three in the morning, and it was somebody, <laughs> it was somebody that was dressed up like Freddy Cougar, I'd be like, all right, whatever, man, like chill. If it was an animatronic and they were moving like that, yo, I might have to run out the house and leave my family here. <laughs> you right now, y'all, y'all don't have to deal with that. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing, but yeah. No, I agree. Like Silence of the Lambs, it's like one of my favorite ones that I think I go to a lot. Like I rewatch it a bunch of times because, I mean, yeah. Anthony Hopkins and then like Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling. Like I always wanted to be her because I wanted to be a detective as a kid. I was like, she's so badass. But at the same time, like, now as I watch it as an adult, I'm like, she was fucking scared. It was like she yeah. was a rookie, you know? <laughs> Especially that last scene where it's like everything goes like, uh, the, the, he turned off the lights and he has like the goggles. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, that's an intense scene. Um, and you realize how much of it was lacking common sense. Like, I don't know how much <laughs> common sense we have in a moment, but there's certain things that's like, why don't you just use that light that you're using right there to, yeah. to, to point it in the other direction? Why don't you? Why, don't you, yeah. why not? Why not not go in the house? Why don't we just like do something else? Go grocery shopping or something. I don't know. Seriously, and then she goes. <laughs> she goes without any backup. It's like, come on. Yeah, uh, like you just don't go in. Like you just you just feeling that that audacious, huh? All right, yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> uh, and then child's play. Like I don't know if you can see it, but I have like a child's play too back here, like a little uh, oh, shadow box. Um, yeah. Because uh, and actually, I was gonna recommend. I don't know if you saw my. I did like a quick like review, but I did. Um, they did a documentary of uh, Chucky. It's called Living with Chucky. Uh, really? and they yeah it's pretty dope it just came out this yeah like a few months ago it was i think filmed last year but it just dropped mm-hmm. everywhere um i think it's like on Screenbox, or you can probably stream it somewhere I'll um, it yeah it's pretty dope because the the girl that directed it um she's actually the daughter of one of the um of uh what's his name i think tony or T- something tony gardner or something like that he's like the okay. animatronics guy from like the seat of chucky and on and i was like oh that's dope okay. so it's literally she's lived with chucky her whole life because she was it's on set family. all the time yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so that's it's pretty crazy. dope yeah i was like oh shit and she's like super young too like i was like that's pretty inspirational like for me as like wanting to be a filmmaker mm-hmm. i was like oh wow um but it was really good it touches on like pretty much the whole franchise and then a little yeah. bit of the tv show um, uh, so it's pretty it's pretty cool if you're a chucky I, fan you'll probably enjoy it how did you feel about bride of chucky I was a hater for the longest time, but now, like, I still, I'm, it's not my favorite, but I feel yeah, like it has its cult smart. following now. Like, it's still, like, everybody loves it because of, you know, I love Jennifer Tilly. Yeah. 
I think that's the only reason why I like it. <laughs> Other than that, it's like, <laughs> I mean, Red Man's in it with like a silly ass it's fucking just, role. <laughs> it's, it's almost like um, Leprechaun. The Leprechaun movies, Leprechaun oh, yeah. from the hood. Like when he when he started getting from the hood, I was like, this is this is now a spoof of itself at this point. Like it's not yeah. even like it it loses that creepy factor of like this little thing just pops up out of nowhere and is looking all <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, and it has that '90s detail. Like the '90s just felt like it was so much more detail. To yeah, even when you think about like the Goblin movies and you think about the '80s, just had a very like nasty perspective on gore and it was like and i say nasty like not like i'm grossed out but i say nasty like they didn't recognize like how these textures yeah are like probably more intense than the cgi smoothed out stuff that we see today you know what i'm saying like even when you see an alien up close um like in an m night m night m light shamalan movie you see one up close, like you could look at it and see, like, okay, it's it's too pretty, like it's too much yeah. CGI. Yeah, yeah. But in those, they were like, that damn thing was made with Fucking somebody's hands. And sh- yeah, puppets like and hair. Yeah, yeah. Puppet Master is another one of my favorites too. Okay. Yeah, Puppet I Master. Like, yeah. Oh, like the nineties, eighties. I think yeah. Like I think when people tell me it's like, oh my top five, I realize they're like eighties or nineties because I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just it's like the nostalgia of it. Uh, like, did you ever watch Wishmaster? Yes, 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 yes. Wishmaster, absolutely. I love that. That's like a, I think a hidden gem, honestly. But that's it had mm-hmm. all the cameos too, like in that. If you look, notice, it's everybody like Freddy Krueger's in there, yeah. the guy that played Jason Kane Hodder, like all these. It's pretty dope. Children of the Corn. Yes, that's another, that's another one. That's another <laughs> no one. fair, no fair. It's like random that just pops up in my head. <laughs> it's random moments that I'm just like, I, I, I do love, uh, night, uh, Candyman is another one Candyman. too. Candyman, Pet Cemetery oh, yeah. just turned. It's like as old as I am. It's from '89, so it's like it's, mm-hmm. I'm about to turn 34. But yeah, it's like it just had his anniversary. I was like, damn. Like I remember watching that as a kid. Um, yeah. Even that. I don't know if you remember the scene where like it's the Aunt Zelda, or whatever. That shit was so creepy to me. Where they go and it's like the ants like dying, and she has like some sort of like I don't know if she has like multiple squirrels or what it is, but it's like yes. her spine and shit. Like I'm telling you, they, they whatever details. Like, like I don't know if yeah, it's the, the camera. The details were so different in that. Maybe that's what happens when you spend less time with the computer trying to create it, and more time where somebody's actually a makeup artist spending seven hours. Yeah. Like it just has a different aesthetic and a different effect on the on the viewer uh, i love those yeah. movies those movies still to this day make me feel a little bit uneasy yeah. and even i think the character development like the actor i don't know it's just different i feel like it was now like because i went to go see the the new evil dead because i'm a huge fan of like the franchise but okay i loved it it, it wasn't like it's still kind of low from like all the ones that have come out but um what I didn't like was the character development. Like, I feel like you really didn't really care for the characters because they didn't, you don't really have a time mm-hmm. to like for them to like, you know, get flushed out. And for like the movies that we just mentioned, like, I feel we all have a connection with some of the characters like Charles mm-hmm. play Andy. Right. Like the little kid freaking stole the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clary Starling, even though he's like a little rookie, but he still have this connection. And I feel like that's kind of a little bit lost in some of the the more current films i think it, like jordan peele's done a great job like there's sure. obviously there's still good one i'm not i'm not trying to hate on the genre because i feel like it's thriving but uh like the newer ones are kind of it's kind of hard to like see that connection versus how we had it back in the day you know what i kind of feel like might have contributed to that is that era of like the scream movies and i know what you did last summer and mm. that they didn't really dive too much detail before they kill somebody off 
That's true. Like, there was a screen movie where it had like Mackay Pfeiffer in the, in the first scene, and then he gets killed literally in the first scene uh, in a bathroom. And it's just like, we have no context outside of knowing this is a young dude and, and, and his girlfriend who are, you know, doing whatever oh, they yeah. do. Omar Omar Omar, oh, yeah. Omar Epps. Omar Epps. Omar Epps. Not Omar Epps. Yeah. Omar Epps. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yo, like, like y'all just going to kill people off before we even, like, mm. fall in love with their characters. Yes. Like, I think that was more so when writers were treating even stars of the movie like they were expendable. Like, I do think the shock anyways. value, right? The shock like, value, the... the, the, the even like having um was it Carmen? Not it wasn't Carmen Electra. Who was who was in that first scene? I get I'm getting the spoofs mixed oh, up. That's what's happening. Oh yeah, yeah, you are like with scary movie. I think yeah, it's yeah, uh, yeah. you're talking about Heather Graham, maybe is Heather, it that? Yeah, for the first screen movie. Uh, Neve Campbell, like the first where they're like, or is it like the spoof movie within the movie? <laughs> See, that's why I get mixed up. That's why yeah. that's my my brain, my '90s brain starts mixing all these up. But yeah. anyways, <laughs> the fact that they would kill off somebody who would otherwise be the main yeah. actress or the main yeah. actor. I think yeah. there was a whole era where it was like, I don't care if you're this person, you're gonna get killed within this first fifteen minutes, and we're yeah, gonna like move Drew on. Barry, Drew, Drew Barrymore, right? It's probably who you're Drew, about yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we're not gonna talk anything else about it. And I think that's where um, people started to kind of mimic that. And 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 I'm with yeah. you. Like we, to a certain degree, we missed an opportunity to get to know. Like that's what I love about Jordan Peele movies because he'll tell stories in details that you're like, why is this relevant? Yeah, it's and like a slow build. Yeah. And then and then 45 minutes into it, you'll recognize, like, that look on the mom's face mm-hmm. is from some deep-seated trauma that we had to see this part in order to know what context that has for this part. Yeah. So I'm, I'm loving the fact that a lot of movies are heading more in that direction now. Yeah. Because that was a missing thing, I think, for sure, as a viewer. Yeah. Yeah. And I talked to um, I had a guest on, too, that she's done like a huge fan of Scream for that reason, too, because she says ever since the Scream came out, like mm-hmm. like uh, some of the horror horror movies, like kind of lost like the seriousness, I guess, to it or the scariness. Yeah. And they made it kind of <laughs> silly. And I was I'm like, I'm a Scream fan. I love Wes Craven. But I was yeah, like, yeah. I, I could I was like, I can see that, like why it could kind of change like the the direction movies went. But I feel like you said, like now I think we're moving back a little bit into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, and I wonder too with Wes Craven, like Wes Craven had a thing for killing off women, and I always, you know, I used to wonder, like, why are you always killing, like, why are your storylines always killing off, like, and it's always like killing off, like, like you know, pretty, pretty like the prettier they are, oh, you know, they gonna for sure die, like, I'm like Wes Craven, what what happened to you in high school, like, what what, what are you living out right now? I used to wonder that even watching that, because my mom would like take me some of those movies. I'm like, mom, yeah. what you think happened to him? That made him like when I when I become a director, everybody's getting killed in my movies. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but that's true. Like, like look back at those movies now, and 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 pay attention to like whoever is like the most glossied out. They got like the most focus on them. They all, you know, they got them all dolled up. Yeah, they for sure getting killed. He probably wanted to change the formula. He's like, it's time to like, change it up. <laughs> Kill all the pretty girls. <laughs> um, Mister <Mr>. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, talking about like you know the uh, the final girls like did you have anybody that like for you was like one of your favorites like that survives like the horror movie like a final girl? Mm, oh, that's called a final girl. I didn't know that was yeah. a term for that. Yeah. <laughs> final girl. That's a good question. Nah, all the ones I like got killed. They all got killed. Like I was like, <laughs> one of the the one of the ones I like, but like now it's probably not 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 a good time to be my favorite is uh, Jada Pinkett's character in Demon Knight. I don't know if you ever watched Demon Knight. I haven't watched Demon Knight. Nah, uh, it's a it's a dope film. 
okay. it's from like Tales from the Crypt, and then they did like their own little series. I think it was in the nineties too. But she, her character's a badass. But I mean, I know yeah. right now she's being critiqued <laughs> for other things. There were it, they, see, and that's the other thing too is like maybe that's why the scary movies have gone the direction they have because. Maybe that's why more context bring being here because folks are like supremely woke and they're supremely like, like uh you know, into representation and so people want to know no why didn't you tell more backstory of this person's life and yeah, yeah. how this trauma had an effect and it's like you can, to a certain degree you can only tell so many details before you lose your audience and before yeah. you lose what the overall purpose of the movie is but that's not to say the details don't matter, um. But yeah, it's it's an interesting time for that that genre to thrive and exist in because yeah, yeah, uh, yeah some people just they don't know how to teeter that teeter that that line. Yeah, and what about like um, I like to ask this when when uh, people are part of the hip hop community because there's obviously been like a crossover with hip hop and horror for for a while now. We talked about Tales yeah. from the Hood and all that stuff. Um, who who would you say is like one of your favorite like horror films that has like a hip hop artist in it? If you have any. Pro- probably scary movie one okay <laughs> scary movie one or like yeah that's probably the only like and that's not even a, that's not even really a horror movie like you don't really yeah. categorize like it comedy i can't take I, i'm sorry it's just it, it's unless it's like ice cube and that's not even really a would you consider it a horror it's not a horror movie like anaconda is not a horror movie but like I, yeah it's still kind of is, is it kind of like yeah. okay yeah, it's yeah, like, like a creature feature right so that's probably the closest thing i can have to that because it yeah. just it's something about and i love my culture i love hip-hop <laughs> But it's something about seeing a rapper that I've seen a certain way get yeah. on screen and then, and then try to act like, yeah, I'm just a guy that bags up groceries. Don't pay attention to me and the face tattoos that I have. Like, no, fam, <laughs> you are who you are. Um, it's hard for me to take it serious. So yeah. in a traditional, like, I have to really think about that one. Um, it's not really a horror movie, but uh, Justin Timberlake has played a few roles uh, one of which was that Justin Timberlake? I, I'm pretty sure it was either Justin or Leonard. I want to say it was Justin Timberlake, but it was a movie where everybody wore watches, but oh, the watches like didn't in represent- time or something. Or in time, yeah, something yeah. Like that? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, mean, I know th- what you're about. Sci-fi. Those right? are kind of yeah. Those are. I mean, he's not a hip hop artist, but it's like yeah. those are the kind of roles that I'm 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 more open to. Yeah. But they rapper in a horror movie. Or like they have an actual storyline pretty much is what we're yes. talking about, right? Like develop their I, character. Don't 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 give I'm and I'm I'm a fifty cent fan, but don't you put fifty cent in a Chucky movie and think I'm gonna take it serious. Like <laughs> and that's no shot to him. It's just like I I think part of the the part of what makes a movie scary, or not even scary, but part of what makes a movie mysterious and um lures me in as a viewer is the fact that I feel like I don't know anything about this person. I don't know what yeah. their demons are. I don't know what they're capable of doing. So, like, when you see the Chucky movies and you meet the mom or you meet the kid, the kid in his own right, the main kid, was kind of a creepy kid, right? As, as, as He was kind of a creepy. He had a, some creepy, <laughs> the way he talked and, Mommy, Chucky, sir. Like, he was creepy. <laughs> Yeah. So you never you 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 like you never felt comfortable thinking that Chucky was the only one doing all the bad. You look at the yeah. kid and you're like, is this gonna be one of them plot twists where Chucky was never really alive and the kid actually was pushing people out the window and all of that stuff? Like, <laughs> I had that thought. So yeah. that to me is, if I can't if I don't assume too much as a viewer of the person that I'm watching because I know them from their songs and mm-hmm. their rap career, 
that level of like, I don't even know who this actor is, but damn it, they're creepy as hell right now. I, yeah. I, I like that level of mystery when it comes to me uh, treating this person as a new case in a new scenario. Yeah. I wonder who knows. We might. I'm trying to think of like a rapper that would be dope, like actual actor, actor. And I, I can't think of the top of my head right now, like who would be a dope Ma- one. Childish. Oh yeah, that's Donald true. Donald Glover. And he's already done a little bit, kind of like that vibe. That, that Michael Jackson character he played was probably yeah. the closest thing that I can say to actually being legit creepy. Because I was like, <laughs> is that Donald Glover? I think it is. Like, but once again, it's the, it's. It's those kind of shows that make me feel something. Atlanta made me feel yeah. something. And so many of the, 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 so many just movies in general are just eye candy. They're, they're just computer generated first, or they're just so much about the surprise factor that mm-hmm. they lose the great, the, the, the great art of storytelling. And so um, I think that's why those are so important is that people still care about that. Yeah, it's true. It's like, or they follow like uh, the trope, you know, like the rapper. Because it's like with Busta Rhymes in like uh, the Halloween movie, where he just oh, <laughs> beats God. the shit out of Michael. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> like this ain't a music video. Like, and, and I love Busta, but this ain't a music video. And you, like that, that yeah, that's cool bragging rights for his resume. Yeah. But as a viewer and a fan of the genre, like, give me. Matter of fact, I'd rather you give me a whole script of people I've never met before. Like, even when I saw. Um, I really did enjoy, it might not be a popular opinion, but I really did enjoy the new It movies. The oh, first yeah, I like one. them. Yeah. The second one was was yeah. way too damn long. But the first one, I was like, I didn't know enough. Like, I didn't watch Stranger Things or anything. I didn't know enough about any of these characters mm-hmm. to be like, oh, God, here he goes doing his rapper thing right now. Like, like he can't turn off his rapper voice. Like, I just can't even take it serious because I, I know what you rap about. But in that movie, like, I felt like, those characters were so uh, uh, disconnected from who I was mm-hmm. that it gave me a second to just sit in my chair and say, well, tell me more about your story. Tell me more about your story and how they all kind of interact with each other. And yeah. I like that. I, I love movies that um that give backstories on people that otherwise would be forgotten characters. Yeah, I agree. I think the only decent, I'm trying to think of like the only decent like rapper I don't know if you've seen Thirteen Ghosts. Uh, Rod Digger comes out in it, and actually, she actually survives okay. the movie. But she was decent. <laughs> but then I guess she kind of did play like the funny, the funny black girl, you know, like yeah. the funny yeah, like, that's nanny. A, that's a character too. But then again, it's kind of like the trope. But I liked her character. I think if, if anybody, <laughs> she's like the closest, the closest at least that we've thing. gotten something. <laughs> I I probably say Donald Glover for me because Donald Glover, yeah. um, he already has a very like. He has an unpredictable character to him, right? There's times yeah. where he do, he does stand up and he's a funny guy or whatever. He can be that sitcom guy. Then he can also be like really, really dark with his comedy. And yeah. those are the ones that are like they're unpredictable. I feel like Andre 3000 could do the same thing. Yeah. If you wanted to play that role, right? He could play a role that's like it's ambiguous in terms of you know is it the good guy? Is it the bad guy? I think those are the ones that could really play that. But you don't. Yeah, or you know what? Who I just thought know. about that would be Ooh. dope, um, Joey Badass, because he's he's a good actor. I think he's a good actor. He is. I think he, he is. would be a dope, uh, like in a horror film, like some Jordan Peele film or something. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll speak. I have to see. I'm gonna take your word for it. I have to see it because he's real New York. Like, and yeah. if I see him like stomping on a ghost in his Tim's, I'm done with that movie. <laughs> I'm done with that movie. That'd I think be he great could get a character. Material. 
I don't know. I have a, I have a feeling he could. You I got don't faith know. in him? Yeah. <laughs> that'll, that'll be dope meme, meme material. But after that, I don't know if I can take that movie serious no more. Like, <laughs> if, if my thing is this, if you're going to do it, like, go all out. Like, 50 Cent, I remember he did a role. I didn't actually watch it, but I thought I was intrigued by he lost a gang of weight to play a cancer patient. And I'm like, oh. that's the only way I can watch this movie and not see 50 Cent. Yeah. Because if you're like this, because that's the thing about rappers is that so many rappers in tradition, I think this is why they don't translate well to horror movies for a lot of fans, is they're used to always being the superhero. Yeah. They're always used to being like, I win in the end. And in horror movies, all those rules go out the gate. Yeah. The strongest person in the room gets get gets can get killed. Right? The the leader can get killed. The main actress <laughs> can get killed. But rappers are like, nah, ain't nobody gonna beat me in these Tims. Like, no, fam, that's <laughs> that's just not real life. <laughs> This AI thing cracks me up. Oh, uh, my <laughs> um, and before we get out of here, um, I usually like to ask, like, what kind of legacy? Uh, I know you live in the moment, but what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Um, that it's not over until you say it's over. Les Brown has a statement that says it's not over until I win. But um, an extension of that and what I hope my legacy represents is that there's been so many parts of my career where people thought, that was the pinnacle. People thought that was the uh, the peak of everything that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And what I've continued to do through movement, through evolution, through learning new skills, through um, not being afraid to try things, irregardless of what age I am, irregardless of how goofy it may look to the general public, my ability to evolve on a consistent basis has been the key to not only my success, but always finding a way to move through whatever obstacle comes in my way. So I hope that my legacy represents the opposite of what they say about most DIYers, is that if you're a jack of all mm -hmm. trades, you can be a master of none, uh, or even the idea that you can only be passionate about one thing. I mean, you are showing yeah. with your platform, like you are an example of, a, a, a prime example of what I want this DIY culture to represent in that you're, you you can be passionate about multiple things and not yeah. only passionate, but be efficient and be at the top of your game in multiple areas. And the only people who have issue with that are people who have an old school mentality. Childish Gambino said this recently in an interview with GQ where he was like, people always need a vent. Whenever they're thinking of a celebrity or they're thinking about somebody who's talented, not even celebrity, somebody who's talented in multiple things, they got to find that one thing, that one flaw to make you real to them. Oh, uh, well, he's tight at all that, but like he's short. You know what I'm saying? They got to find that one thing. Yeah, For me, they're like, you know, but look at his eyes. He got bags in his eye. He don't get no sleep. Like who wants a life? Now we're getting to a point where through AI, through tools that have never been available before, not only can you do all these things at a high level, but you can get the assistance that you used to have to pay a team for yeah. by using AI tools that can help expedite the process. Now, instead of me spending 20 hours on an edit, I can now, like I saw a website called Opus Clip that mm -hmm. basically will take a long stream interview like this yeah, and will chop up micro content wow, and then even put captions on it, put a title on it and tell you a score of the high likelihood that it'll go viral. How helpful would that be for someone who wow. spends time making music and all these different things? Now, instead of like Childish said, when when Elvis was around and people were like, 
he's a terrible actor, but he's a great musician. Well, maybe he would have been a better actor, a greater actor, had the music-making process didn't take as long as it did back in his day. Yeah. Had he had FL Studio. <laughs> Elvis with FL Studio sounds crazy, but had he had those kind of tools, music would have been so much faster, quicker, and easier. Now he can focus in on being a better actor or mm-hmm. whatever, a better public speaker, whatever he wanted to do. We're the generation that gets to live that. So yeah. my legacy, I think, ultimately is going to be that even though you are doing it yourself, um, sky is still the limit. Yeah, yeah. that's dope. Yeah, thank you, you know, for being on and, you know, sharing and dropping gems and all that stuff. And I appreciate you um, and keep doing what you're doing because it is it is inspiring, though, to see you do, you know, your thing. And kind of me, like I can relate to a lot of the things that you do because I'm like I like multitasking and stuff like that. So um, (laughs) uh, thank you again. And for those listening in, thank you for, you know, tuning in. Uh, follow Curtis King, um, have his IG right here, and I'll, I'll share the rest in the uh, description. But if you haven't already, follow him. Follow myself if you're not already following me, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank can you I say guys. one thing? Yeah, can I say ahead. one thing before you leave out of here? Yeah. Thank you for your platform because it allows us to talk about other things outside of music. So we're that's grateful true. for you. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in.